0: Let us picture now the Lord surrounded by great crowds of people men, women, even children When you're surrounded by many people you get kind of lost in the crowd So St. Matthew tells us that he went up the mountain and then he sat down and his disciples came to him He opened his mouth and taught them. This is the beginning of the passage from St. Matthew about the Beatitudes. And how does he introduce these Beatitudes? As we see him there on the mountain, lots of people around. He's seated there like the new Moses, bringing us the fullness of the law. But he begins with these beautiful words that we want to use for our meditation this evening. He says, You are the salt of the earth. But if salt becomes tasteless, what can make it salty again? It is good for nothing and can only be thrown out and be trampled underfoot by men. You are the light of the world. A city built on a hilltop cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp to put it under a tub, but they put it on a lampstand where it shines for everyone in the house. In the same way, your light must shine in the sight of men, so that seeing your good works, they may give the praise to your Father in heaven. Salt is good and preserves from evil from corruption. This is what the Lord is saying to us now. You are salt. He does not say you must be salt, you should be salt, or in the future you will be salt. He talks about it now. You are salt. It's not an ideal in the future. Because salt preserves from corruption. And in the ancient world certainly since it had that faculty, it was absolutely necessary. You couldn't, have, you couldn't store meat, you couldn't put it in refrigeration. And Anyway, you had to, you had to have salt to preserve from the obvious that corruption that would set in in any, any piece of meat. We think of corruption often in terms of bribes, uh, kickbacks, you know, that politician is corrupt, right? Uh, and so now we have to see it how, how salt can actually preserve us from corruption. And if the Lord makes us salt in our life, if we have that salt in our life, nothing, nothing can really do us any harm. No evil, no pain, no virus, no suffering can really spoil our life. We may have suffering. We may have pain. But it's not going to embitter us because of the, the salt that we have within us. Nothing in our life, the Lord is saying, can really render it infertile if we have Him or if we are just the salt of the earth. Nothing can really ultimately be without purpose for us if we manage to see our life through the prism of God's love. Imagine if that could happen. Mm-hmm. Our whole life, no matter what happens to it, has a purpose. Mm-hmm. Our life is in the plan of God. It, and, and that's why we want to ask our Lord now in our prayer, Lord, help me to see my life through the prism of your love. I read about a lady who said that, she said this, she said, when I look back on my life when I'm 80, I want to look back and truly feel that it was worthwhile. When I look back at my life. What's going to happen to you and I when we're 80 or 85 or 90 and we look back on our life? we will see suffering, we will see pain, we will see hardship, setbacks, professional failures, all kinds of failures we'll see, no doubt. I mean, none of us is perfect, so we're going to have some failures. But we'll look back and say, it was worthwhile. And we don't always realize that our growing pains are worthwhile when they're happening. You know, the... The airline industry has always made massive studies of any plane crash that happens. They meticulously study why a plane went down or why there was an explosion or whether it was human error or neglect or some malfunction of some device or something that didn't go well and some little piece was overheating and also oh, that's why this happened, that's why this plane went down. Mm-hmm. Maybe a fuel line wasn't properly installed or something, right? At times, just the wear and tear of of, of, a, of the structure can lead to small breaks and in the end, you know, can the entire structure can fall down. But the airline industry kind of, you could say, despite the fact that it's a tragedy that a plane goes down and, and people are killed, in a certain way, you know, those studies have made us all much safer. Even a the the terrible crash in the news is looked upon with a view of what we can learn from this now we have our faults we have our crashes and maybe sometimes we are left with big gaping wounds that don't heal you know and this is what we have to ask because if we have a gaping wound that doesn't heal it means that somewhere there we are not that salt that our Lord is speaking about and in some way also we are not that light you know it's it's always nice to see photos of an elderly couple clearly elderly walking hand in hand clearly in love because you see that they have shared a shared life behind them and we think well I want to be I want to be faithful to the end. A friend of mine, a priest friend of mine, was saying that he he was quite touched because he was, I think he was driving the car somewhere, and he saw on the sidewalk a couple that I know that have nine or, no, they have uh, nine or ten, ten children, and they're, they're not elderly, but, you know, the children are grown up, and, you know, they've done their job, so to speak. And he saw them walking hand in hand, and they were laughing, and they were talking, and, you know, And he was very moved at seeing that because of all that they had gone through, right? They were kind of looking back, you could say, it was just an image, and looking back at that shared experience. And it is not always easy to look behind and to, as we look back, to understand the meaning of all that has taken place in my life. So that's why we need to ask for light, to see my life through the prism of god 's love, so that I can be light and also that I can be that salt, you know, I heard the story of a a guy who who was said he he started to complain about stomach pain and you know and it wasn 't going away so so he went to see the doctor and the, and the, they had all kinds of tests done and colonoscopy and everything, and the doctor said, "Well, oh, look, uh, we did tests, uh, blood tests, colonoscopy. Was, you, you, there's nothing. You're fine. You just just rest a bit, and you'll be okay." Hmm? So he said, "Okay." So he went home, and the months went by, and still, still this bizarre pain, and it was not like something he'd experienced before. So, after six months, he went back to the doctor, and this said, uh, "This time, okay, we're going to check again from like from the other side and." Uh, and uh, there, the doctor said, I'm sorry, but now we've found it. We've found the cancer cells. You know? And so, there was a tumor growing, and uh, so he had to go undergo chemo, and he had to go operations. He had to go in there and take out the tumor and stuff, and it was a, he had a hard time of it, a really hard time. You can imagine him. And months went by, and he recuperated, right? And... People would see him, serene, I've gotten through this. He'd, I suppose he lost his hair for a while, but now he had grown back and he was smiling. And this friend of mine who knew him, who knew of this experience, said, he said, he saw him at the swimming pool one day, and he, for the first time he saw him with a scar here, a scar here, a scar here, all the places where he had been operated on during that cancer. And he never realized that he was full of those scars because normally, you know, the guy obviously uh, had a shirt on and he just never saw that. But those scars were left behind. And they they were left behind even after he was healed. Mm -hmm. And we too have our scars, we have our wounds. Mm -hmm. But if we have, if we are like that, if we are salt of the earth, if we are the light of the world not even those wounds of our life whatever they may be will will necessarily weaken us because after all what does what does salt preserve what does salt preserve not just our body not just our physical health not just our human and financial success it really when the lord speaks about that salt preserving It preserves us from the corruption of love. That we always grow in love of God, in love of others, and love of ourselves, proper love of ourselves. That's the whole purpose of being salt. That the love in our life is always preserved. No matter what happens to us. Even if we have operations like that because if we are salt we can really well we live in the world with true a true sense of peace mm-hmm. we understand that that to live in god's providence to live with an understanding that god is always there and can draw good even out of hard and difficult things mm-hmm. is to be in that salt mm-hmm. but also Salt is like a seasoning, right? It's a seasoning that, that brings out the good. Okay? St. Paul says, he calls salt like the seasoning with gracious speech. And he says in his letter to the Colossians, he says to them, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful, and pray for us too, he says, That God may open a door for our message, so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ, for which I am in chains, because that was when he was uh, imprisoned. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with the salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. See, if our words are seasoned with that salt, we can know how to answer. We'll have the right answer. We'll be able to give hope to people. We'll be able to give peace, not just all the solutions the correct solutions, but hope. That's why the Lord says, you are the salt of the earth. And we ask our Lord now, let us ask him that. Lord, make me in some way a, a something that will preserve from corruption, from death, from sadness, from lack of hope. Make me that salt. And Paul says that because he wants us to persevere in prayer. For us to be salt, we have to persevere in prayer. We have to be men of prayer. Because when we are men of prayer, we become men of supernatural vision. He doesn't want us to be corrupted by human vision. If we don't have salt, we are corrupted. We see everything through, through uh, let's say, a horizontal plane, human vision, or we get... Into despair, we get into sadness, we get into anxiety. see, but salt preserves us from all that and Paul speaks about the perseverance in prayer. He hear him speak about that often that we persevere, we keep at it, we persevere because we have not been corrupted by like the enticements of sensuality or laziness or lack of apostolic zeal but you know, it is this conversation as he says seasoned with salt how can we do that? well through the example of good friendships we we can help our friends to discover really the wonder of the faith the marvel of God's love and show them that Christian living is really, truly compatible with, with everyday life and just normal human environments. Friendliness, uh, you know, this infectious cheerfulness that we have to have, good humor. These are all reflections of an inner peace that we have to have as a result of our supernatural vision. And they, when we have that, it preserves those around us. It preserves ourselves from corruption. Friendliness, cheerfulness, good humor. These are all signs that, that we're like sprinkling salt on our conversations, on our behavior. It gives us that inner peace, that awareness that God is our Father. And those virtues really make it pleasant to be around. We have to, be, we have to seek to be pleasant to be around. Mm-hmm. If our conversations were always seasoned with salt, how elegantly things would come out. Mm-hmm. We would not, for example, be prone to complaints if our conversations were seasoned with salt. You put salt on a conversation, and the complaints, they just... Whew, the complaints taste bad. They, they, they taste gross. They whew, Get the complaints out of there. And so often, the first thing we have when we're talking with a friend, we complain. Oh, it's a lousy day. It rained all day. Oh, this happened at work. Oh, this guy's an idiot. I can't take this guy. You know. But how attractive it is to bleep those out. You know how they show sometimes uh, on the news, uh, some guy talking, and they bleep, 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 bleep. You know. Well, when we're tempted to complain, we should bleep. So we can't even understand what we're saying. Bleep, 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 bleep. And we're not even saying, you know, swear words. So we don't always line up the dots when we look back. There's some wise advice from Steve Jobs at a commencement address at Stanford University. He said, you cannot connect the dots when you look ahead. You can only connect the dots when you look back of course he would never have imagined to have done what he did when he was you know a teenager or however old he was when he started his company but he can connect the dots after and you and I have to have that capacity to connect the dots in our life and see the outline the image that those dots are making and they have something to do with god's providence god's plan and somewhere there the dots connect to say that god loves me more than i can understand much more than creating a world famous company like apple you know in in our life our our book of our life is like open but it still needs to be written. We have still have lots to write. We have dots to connect. We have to realize what God has dreamed for us in our life. You know, In school, they explain the lesson first. You get the theory. And then you have to do exercises so they make sure you really understood it. I remember that studying Latin. They study. You study the declensions. You study the verb forms. Then you study the prepositions. Then you study vocabulary, and it's just theory, 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 theory. And then they say, "Okay, now translate these thirty texts or these thirty paragraphs." Okay, then you got. Okay, I know that what that means, but what? Why is it there? And okay, that's an ablative, and that's an accusative. So you do the exercises after, and then you learn. But in life, exercises come first. It's only after we've done the exercise that we really learn the lesson. That we really get into the true gritty theory. Because the future doesn't exist in and of itself, but it's something that we're building up now. Futures of my life, me being salt and light, is something that I'm building up right now through my behavior, through my actions. We are building something as we walk. There's a a famous Spanish song or a poem, I guess, by Antonio Machado from Spain. He said, El camino se va haciendo al andar. Your pathway is, is made as you walk. And we may lose sight of that, that we can always be light, that we can always be salt, no matter what our circumstances are. And the most important thing I would say about salt is its ability to preserve the capacity to love. That we may be, always be able to say that we love in everything we do. That's the most important task that we have in our life. The most important task on earth is to, to be men who love. Love God, love others, and love ourselves. That's the most important thing. To discover the voc- vocabulary of love. No quality can be more important than this. Hmm? So, you know, how am I going in my capacity to love? How, How is my capacity to love? How have I preserved it? Have I preserved it from corruption? I mean, I think we all know how to love, but... Perhaps the ups and downs of life, the the rushing to and fro here and there, the difficulties we face, can kind of lead us to kind of like forget how to love. We become kind of amnesiacs, and yet it's something so fundamental to human nature. So yet 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 we could it's love could start to vanish bit by bit from our life from our day-to-day experience. Instead, it just becomes something that is like routine. You know, we do our prayer routine. You know, you kiss your beloved routine. You rush to work, come back. And so we don't have time to stop and think about that most fundamental of all exercises, to love. This is how we press the pause button. And if we look around in our world today, we can see it's as though there were a real deficit in, I would say, expressions of affection. It's like there's a deficit. You know, if we were to see a, a graph, like the, right now we're, we're in the low part of expressions of affection. In Spanish they call it cariño. You know, it's, it's like, I don't know, for some reason affection doesn't do it for me, but cariño does, you know. It's as though we have lost our ability to love in some way. We confuse it with other things. People confuse it with sensuality or sexuality, as though that were the same thing. Either we don't know how to love, or we don't know how to demonstrate it. And often we see people around us who just don't feel loved. In fact, never has there been so much talk about the wounds of love as now. And that is provoked by a lack of luck, by 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 I don't know, by you know these resentments in life that haven't really been healed, or just the absence, for example, of asking forgiveness. Pope Francis has said often that that word, "I forgive you" or "I ask forgiveness," should be heard more, like in the vocabulary of our collective minds and hearts. And we should hear, he said, he said, the expressions are, may I, thank you, pardon me, or forgive me. Indeed, these expressions are open. open up the way, he says, to living well in your family, to living in peace. They are simple expressions, but not so simple to put into practice. if we could incorporate these terms into our life. You know, the other day I saw a very heart-wrenching video from uh, some kind of uh, psychological institute of some kind where they did studies on little children and they placed these little toddlers, I mean, they're not more than six months old, in front of, on a high chair in front of a table, and they said, okay, now we will show you normal kids or normal, really, pretty much babies, right? And the little kid is there, and they put red blocks in front of the kid, and the child immediately goes for the blocks and starts playing with them, and he's absolutely absorbed with the, with the blocks, and he pushes one on top and knocks one over, and, oh, wow, look at that, and you know they're figuring out what these blocks are, and then they show, and now another normal kid, and this one is going like this, and he's grabbing the, he's looking at it, and absolute absorption. Now we will show you children who have not grown up in an environment of love, a dysfunctional family or some problem. Again, not more than six months old. And then they see a little kid, a little toddler. He's looking around, the blocks are in front of him, but he's, it's as though he can't focus on it. And then a man comes and brings a block, and he, he looks at the man, and see, he, needs, he needs some attention, he needs some affection. And, and they even say I didn't notice this in the video but they even say that these children all have shorter breath like their breath is more kind of reflective of their anxiety you know? and you see that these are, these are little people they're, they're barely a year old they're not even a year old and it's as though they're already in an absolute um, deficit of love they haven't received that love and they need to be preserved with the salt of love That's why we have to be salt and light. We ask this now of Our Lady. Maybe we can say the prayer of uh, Cardinal Newman, who wrote a a, a prayer asking to sincerely radiate Christ. And he speaks about having a light that shines before others, he says. Like Like a light that gives clarity to others. To clarity in a dark room. He says, Dear Jesus, help me to spread thy fragrance everywhere I go. Flood my soul with thy spirit and life. Penetrate and possess my whole being so utterly that all my life may only be a radiance of thine. Shine through me and be so in me that every soul I come in contact with may feel your presence in my soul. It's a beautiful desire. He says... Let them look upon me. Let them look up and see no longer me, but only Jesus. Stay with me, and then I shall begin to shine as you shine. So so to shine as to be a light to others. The light, O Jesus, will be all from you, and none of it will be mine. It will be you shining on others through me, and he, he goes on to describe all the activities he would do, but it would really be it would be really be the Lord Jesus, and of course our our light that shining is really our formation, so that we can be like these these yeah transparent beacons of God's love. So, well maybe we can ask uh, our Blessed Mother eh, that that she make us more salty and protect our life and even indeed our love from any corruption anything that makes it too human too self-centered too nasty she'll teach us to give affection you know in a way that we can say that we are salt and that we are light she'll intercede for us so that it will really happen I thank you, my God, for the good resolutions, affections, and inspirations you've communicated to me in this meditation. I ask you how to put them into effect. My Immaculate Mother, Saint Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me.